Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want you to know that I Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go at you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. Congratulations to all of us for making it to another Axe Week. We're, should we be congratulating in advance of, of the outcome of an Axe Week? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just congratulating for making it to the end of the season. We're all here. It's been a trying year, but we've made it. It's week 13. It's the light at the end of the tunnel, so... I'll take that. Well, I think that's a. I actually think that's a, a fair thing because this has been kind of an odd season. Uh, there's plenty of excitement and plenty of enjoyment. Uh, you know, I think at times it's been tempered by frustration, and certainly many of the losses have left us frustrated. And I, I want to kind of expand on that in a little bit. But before we skip past Indiana completely, uh, as uh, I would like to turn to the description of our very own Zips of Akron for the win over Indiana. A a gradual domination, which I could perhaps look at as maybe being a glacial pace of domination. Uh, It was certainly not a game that the Gophers... um, you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't their most impressive win, but at the same time, they put it out of reach and didn't really keep it in doubt, even though they still let it be, you know. Let me put it this way. They, Indiana scores a touchdown in the second half, and we're two scores away. We're probably all, all a lot more nervous than we would have been if Minnesota had gotten, uh, you know, 35 points up on the board a little quicker. I'm more or less looking in the in the context of the broader season, Blake. What was this game to you, other than a, just a simply a win over a terrible team? Um, I mean, just taking care of business, which Minnesota, to be frank, hasn't been able to do at times this year, as you've seen, you know, against Bowling Green and Illinois. Um, so just you can't take those games for granted. And um, I mean, it was one. Of, it's it was a weird game, to be honest with you. I mean, when you think about it, they, I mean, Minnesota didn't even lead for the first time until with a minute left, I think in the game or a minute left in the first half. And then all of a sudden Indiana throws a pick. Minnesota starts throwing the ball before halftime, which I think sent most cover fans into a catatonic shock a scores. And suddenly it's a two possession game. The second half, Indiana just never threatens. And Minnesota just as you know, zips so eloquently said, just gradually dominated the game um, defensively. They never let Indiana get anything going. Minnesota just kind of grinded out a, a win on the ground. Um, it was definitely one of those games where early on it just felt like scoring touchdowns was just such a grind, and it was so difficult. Like It, it was long drives, um, save for the second touchdown, which was sprung by a 48-yard connection with uh, Brevin Sport, which was beautiful. Um, but, yeah, it just to me it was a business trip, and Minnesota took care of business, um, which is what you would hope to see against an opponent that, as bad as Indiana, and that offense was as bad as advertised. Um but, you know, if we're going to 
complain about the losses against teams like Illinois and Bowling Green. We have to give them credit for taking care of business against a team like Indiana too. So as you said, it was just a win over a bad team, but you know, you can't take any win for granted. You can't, you know, you can't just pay attention two weeks out of the year and say, those are the games that matter to me. Like it's a 12 game season, a regular season, every game counts. So it was, it was a good Saturday to be a golfer fan in my opinion. Andy, I'm, I was I thought you might jump in there with some uh, disagreement or excitement, but uh, you seem I'm gonna say uh, unenthused. I mean, it, the good news is 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 the Gophers did what we needed to do. I mean, it it's one of those things where it's like, you know, as a, as a Gopher fan watching it, it he sort of figured that that probably was gonna happen, but I, we still have the lingering frustration from Bowling Green and Illinois sticking in there. I mean, I even had to remind myself of exactly what I said on the podcast last week in which I said, okay, yeah, you know, we're probably going to win. I think I predicted 38-10, which, I mean, 35-14, pretty close. But I even said, you know, Indiana seems to be one of those teams that can slow you up a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 10-3 game at halftime. Well, the Gophers blew that out of the water at the end of the second quarter, but that's exactly what it was. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here watching the first quarter going, what the hell's going on here? Not, you know, trying to remember what I had said two or three days before. And then eventually, exactly what we thought was going to happen is, is the Gophers ground him down, took the lead. Indiana couldn't even remotely pretend to actually be competent in offense in the second half. And and Minnesota did what they needed to do. So, you know, uh, in that way, it was a, it was a typical uh, game against a bad team, and the Gophers had their game plan worked out to perfection, and it worked. Uh, it wasn't pretty. Uh, not many gopher games have been pretty this year, even when we're winning by three touchdowns, but, uh, they did what they needed to do. They got the win. And, you know, now the question is, is can you turn, which hopefully will be another ugly ground them out game this upcoming Saturday into something positive instead of something negative. And I think, you know, those are all the questions that everybody has is, is, you know, can they can they find the right mix of things they need to do to get a win against a team that's not Indiana, against a team that's not Northwestern? I mean, they did against Purdue earlier in the year, um, but can they can they actually beat a, a really good quality team when it comes time to it, or will we see sort of the same frustrating things that we've seen come back to haunt us uh, in previous games against Iowa and Wisconsin? I think you you hit upon, I think, what was going to be the core of this question I'm about to ask, which is, uh, in my typical fashion, going to be prefaced by some words. Um, I hear you saying, you know, three days earlier I predicted this exact thing, but come Saturday I can't help but be frustrated. And I think that in many ways is the summation of this season. We, for better or worse, know exactly what we're going to get from the Gophers most of the time, but I think in many ways we still can't believe it. In part because, on paper, this is a team that should be able to perform better than they do. So it becomes frustration about why. Is it the play calling? Is it a regression of the players? Is it a coaching point? You know, it's... I think the frustration that is felt uh, is one of, in a way, almost disbelief. And I don't really know. It's a weird sort of limbo to to spend a season that way. Because I'll be honest with you, during the winning streak, I was 
more than uh, just generally excited. I was in a pretty good mood about everything all the time. And yeah, there'd be grumbles during the game, but it, it felt like at that point in the season, they weren't doing super dumb things on a regular basis. They just weren't optimizing maybe as much as we hoped they would. And then Illinois happened, and I think everything just kind of took a turn at that point. Like, uh, you know, the the Iowa game, okay, they didn't, you know, sir, you know, Blake, I think, was in a dark place going into Iowa predicting a, a shutout. And that's definitely not what happened, but it's not like they played great either. And I think this just general limbo is, is uh, well, it's, it, it's, it's annoying, frankly. To, just to add into that, I mean, and that's, and that's exactly where it is. It's annoying and it's frustrating because we've seen what this team can do when they play up to their potential. But then they backslide. I mean, like, this offensive line is great, but yet they absolutely got destroyed by a Bowling Green defensive line that was half their size. They absolutely got destroyed by an Illinois defensive line that had no business sticking with them. And even in the games where they do play great, I, I mean, I, I would say the, the fourth and one in the long drive, the, the Gophers opening drive that didn't result in a touchdown against Indiana. You're telling me you put seven guys on that line and you can't get enough push to get one yard in that situation? I, I mean... It's mind-boggling that you can't gear down and get that push in that play when you know you need to do it to get off to a good start. It It's just those things like that that have been frustrating all year long, and it's like, why why is this happening? You know, if you want to be a good team, you can't have those lapses. Is it a mental lapse? Is it a physical lapse? Are you just getting beat? What is going on? But it's happened in multiple occasions this year where you're just shaking your head and going, what? What the hell was that? Okay, so I think we're in agreement. I, I can disagree with none of that. So what does Wisconsin do? You know, I think uh, if anything short of a complete domination by Wisconsin isn't really going to change things in a more negative fashion. If they lose and it's frustrating and annoying, it's just... Add it to the list of frustrating and annoying. I think people are already in that space for the most part, so that's no one's gonna, you know. I, I just don't see it tipping anybody over the edge, except for people who already are prone to overreaction. But if Minnesota wins, how much cleansing happens? How much catharsis? How much, uh, you know, how much are your spirits raised, and how much of this? quagmire feeling goes away um, simply because it's Wisconsin and, you know, they're one of two rivals that we care about more than any other. And, you know, it's it's the axe, a thing that while Fleck does have an axe win, it is now three years in the rear view. And frankly, it was the first axe win in, you know, uh, since 2003. And that 15-year drought means that having the axe in Minnesota is going to remain special uh, even at the end of the long season. I'm just interested if that's that effect is going to be enough to cleanse things for you. And uh, Blake, let's start with you. I mean, to the, to your point, I'd be lying if I said when it beating Wisconsin wouldn't change anything. I mean, we're still at a point where you know we've lost, we've won one game against them since 2003, so we're not to a point where we can take for granted a win over Wisconsin. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I'll be I'll be thrilled to beat Wisconsin. You know, that's always a great win. Love to have the axe. I'll be pretty. I'll be sure. I'll be pretty celebratory in the aftermath if that's what happens. But I mean, 
looking back on the season, they'll have finished, um, you know, eight and four. And probably, I think that means they'd, I think they'd, they'd finish second in the Big Ten West, which is not bad, but still. Well, unless, unless, unless the unthinkable happens and Nebraska can actually win what will likely be a close game over Iowa. <laughs> and Purdue beats Indiana, in which case they've won the Big Ten West as well. I remain skeptical that that, that Nebraska will have the, the manpower to do that, especially without Adrian Martinez. Um, but yeah, so. It, Assuming Iowa beats Nebraska, Minnesota beats Wisconsin, Iowa goes to the Big Ten Championship. Um, just looking back in the season, I mean, it's it, it'll be hard not to look at it as a disappointment. Because, I mean, if you think about everything this team had going for it, you know, you've got Tanner Morgan, who's in his fourth year as starter. You know, you, had, you came in the season with Mo Ibrahim as the reigning Big Ten running back of the year. Even though that didn't work out, we've seen that they have a lot of talent behind him. Um, they operated behind an offensive line with five seniors on it, probably the best offensive line Minnesota's had in years. Um, Chris Hopman Bell, maybe a fringe NFL wide receiver prospect and a lot of young talent behind him on defense. You returned so much experience from last year and this defense has been outstanding most of the year. Um, and you, you really just, I mean, Fleck talks about all the time about how this is a developmental program. They need guys who are experienced and have been in the program several years um, to really play well. To me, this should have been, the pinnacle of, of those efforts. Like, I mean, they just have so many seniors on this team. And like when you, when you look at the roster for Saturday of guys that could pen, potentially be playing the last game for Minnesota, it's staggering. I mean, for next season, they could be losing um, more than half of their starters um, if guys don't, don't decide to return. So it's just, it's hard to believe that this team as, as so much talent and potential as they've had, the best that they could do this year was eight and four with losses to Bowling Green in Illinois. Okay, so this is where I, context matters. So don't think I'm uh, trying to ignore that. But I'm, I actually just quick took a look back, and both of you predicted eight and four, and neither of you predicted wins over Iowa or Wisconsin. And these were predictions that were made when Minnesota was at full strength at running back. I, so I would I would if you could let me make my, I would argue that um, those predictions are also made with um, stealing yourself against disappointment. I would say there's a difference between what you think will happen and what you hope will happen. I think predictions are obviously what you think will happen. What you hope will happen is you know we came into this season not knowing how good that defense was going to be. It was so bad last year, but it brought back a lot of experience and brought in Alex Pinkney and Jack Gibbons as transfers. And I just think you kind of steal yourself somewhere in the middle between best case scenario and worst case scenario. And that's where I think you, I came out to eight and four. And even that I wasn't so sure about, I mean, I kind of wanted to go farther, but part of you is like, how good is this team? You know, do you really think that they can beat, you know, Iowa or Wisconsin or whoever? Um, so yeah, that, that for me, it, predictions to me are different from expectations. That, that's just the distinction that I make. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I think context matters too, because, yeah, I think if 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 I had told you preseason that we'd lose Mo, we'd lose Trey, we'd go eight and four, we'd beat Wisconsin to go eight and four, with that as the only context, you'd probably feel pretty good. But if I also told you that they would lose to Bowling Green and they would lose to Illinois, and Illinois and Bowling Green, neither of them were actually good teams. I think if you're given that additional context in the preseason, you would 
I think, rightfully start to describe the season much closer to what we're facing. And that's what I think is interesting about being a fan, is how much context matters, and frankly, how much actually seeing a games matter, too. Like, I mean, what you feel like when you haven't seen a game and what you feel like after you've been frustrated on a weekly basis, some more than others, for an entire season, I mean, it just takes a toll on you. I mean, it really does. Uh, I'm not going to pretend it doesn't. All right, Andy, we, we've we heard uh, Blake's response. For you, what is, how, how much... Um, how much of a context cleanser, we'll call it, uh, will a win over Wisconsin be if Minnesota pulls it off? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd, you'd have, I mean, Saturday would be the instant elation. I mean, I I remember how excited I was back in 2018, and I think, well, maybe not quite to that level, it'd be, it'd be pretty dang close. I mean, I think, I think everybody would be pretty ecstatic. But again, it's one of those things that, you know, you just sit back on and and you can't help but dwell, especially as we're sitting around for a week waiting for bowls to be announced at at the missed opportunities. Yeah, eight and four with the win over Wisconsin. Like you said, I you know I predicted eight and four at the beginning of the year. That would be amazing, and it'd be happy. But then you think back and just think, how many missed opportunities did we have? How close were we were from eight and four to ten and two, to even arguably eleven and one. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that you have to you have to think about. Now, admittedly, I mean, I think I do think it's fair to you know when when we're writing the obituary of the season here in a month, it it's totally fair to say, hey, you know, to be honest, in some ways the offense probably overachieved considering they lost their two best running backs. But then you've got to think about obviously the play calling and the quarterback play and go, well, God, if we had just been a little bit better and we could have beaten this team or this team, you know, so it's it's definitely a mixed bag. And, and unfortunately, there I don't think there is a, a great and right answer um, to it. But, um, you know, I think, like I said, uh, if if we can win on Saturday, which it will not be easy, but if we can, I think the the overwhelming elation would be would be great and then it's in that week waiting period where the realization of god it's another one of those close but not close enough seasons will probably more sink in yeah i think that's fair it's that time of year friends home field apparel's black friday sale is about to happen it starts Black Friday, November 26th, runs through Cyber Monday, uh, November 29th. All items at homefieldapparel.com will be 20% off. No code is required. <clears throat> Obviously, the amazing shirts are well known, but they've also expanded into stickers. Uh, and, of course, you can always get a gift card. That's homefieldapparel.com between this Friday the 26th, Monday the 29th, 25% off, no code needed. All right. Um, well, I think there's just some general uh, housekeeping news to, to quickly reflect on. Uh, you know, two two uh, late transfers, two late late names hitting the transfer portal from Minnesota. MJ Anderson, Rashad, uh, excuse me, Rashad Cheney, uh, both electing to go into the transfer portal. Um, certainly, you know, I, I wish them the best. It's the, the timing isn't great. I, I don't personally understand it, but I'm not going to dwell on that. You know, this is a, this is what it is. 
uh, I guess I, you know, with we can, I think, save what does this do long term to the Gophers, if anything, uh, for uh, a postseason pod. But for now, do you have any specific concerns coming into Wisconsin uh, with with their departures? Um, Rashad Cheney, no. Um, to be honest with you, they've they've kind of shrunk down the defensive tackle rotation to just Niles Pinkney, Mike Dutradway, and D'Angelo Carter. Um, Cheney's, uh, I think he had a stretch this season where he didn't see the field for about five or six games. Um, you know, there's, there was scuttlebutt about, um, potential disciplinary issues, but nothing public. Um, so for him, it just, it just sounds like obviously playing time is a factor. Um, and obviously if he had any issues with the coaching staff, with the program, maybe it just wasn't a good fit for him. So, um, but I mean, next season, obviously with Pinckney, Dutredway and Val Martin all leaving, there was going to be a huge vacuum of playing time there at defensive tackle. Um, and you would have thought he would have been part of that competition, but obviously that's not going to happen. Um, as for MJ Anderson, that's, I mean, that's a puzzling one um, because he, he, you know, didn't play a ton of snaps this season, but he played, you know, he was Azizi Otomeo's uh, primary backup at defensive end. So you saw probably at least 12 or 13 snaps a game um, in, re- in relief of him, just kind of spelling him. And he's made impact plays um, when he's been in the game. So, and you would have thought next year with um, Otomeo possibly not coming back um, to take advantage of his COVID year, you would have thought MJ Anderson would have been the starter. I think Flex mentioned Anderson as the spe- as like a potential starter for as replacing Otomeo um, in press conferences this season. So um that that's a puzzling one. I don't I don't know quite what to make of that. And you know, both these coming with one game left in the regular season, um, there's just a lot of unanswered questions that we'll never know the answers to, um, as to you know why these decisions were made, when they were made, and why they were done. Um, but you know, just have to wish both in the best of luck. And you know, as far as Saturday's concerned, at defensive end you'll still see Otomeo uh, take advantage, take probably get the most snaps at defensive end. And if they need to you know, bring in any relief, you'll probably see um, Danny Strigow, Jay Joyner, or Jay Logan Redding um, getting more snaps. So a lot of those younger guys get more experience. But uh, yeah, it definitely hurts to lose some depth on the defensive line. That's never a good thing. So what I'm basically hearing from Blake and Andy, I, I'll just ask if you agree or disagree, is that absent an injury or something that holds out one of the, the main rotation guys, uh, not necessarily a lot of concern for Saturday. I mean, yes and no. I mean, with, again, with with Cheney, not so much. I mean, uh, Anderson played forty percent of the defensive snaps against Indiana last week. So I mean, it wasn't like yeah, he's in the rotation, but it wasn't like, you know, he was playing like five snaps a game. I mean, he played a decent amount, and and as we've seen from Otomeo, he's played good, but he plays a lot better when he's when he's rested. When he gets tired, um, is when he starts to struggle. And against a Wisconsin team that's going to try and run the living bleep out of us with Braylon Allen. Um, I, I am a little concerned that, that Anderson won't be out there. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big step up game for probably Jay Joyner or, or Jalen Redding, who's going to have to step in and probably play 10, 15 snaps and be productive in those snaps, not get completely blown off the line because I mean, Allen is a talented running back and, and don't think that, that, uh, Paul Christ and or I don't I actually is Paul Christ called the place for Wisconsin? I don't even yeah, know. He does. Whoever's, yeah, he does. Okay, so don't think that Paul Christ won't be easy to key in on that and go, okay, gophers are running, you know, running the twos. We're gonna run right bleeping at him. So um 
you know, that that's that's where I would be concerned about is is I think, you know, Chris is a good enough play caller that <coughs> excuse me, he'll be able to to recognize the potential weakness there and it's it's going to take a, a pretty good performance by by Joyner or Jalen Redding or whoever's going to take those snaps to to make sure it doesn't become a liability for Minnesota. I'm going to take two things from what you just said. I think that cough was because you complimented Paul Christ and, and you were disgusted with yourself. Second, uh, I'm hearing what I'm hearing is this is an opportunity for an unexpected hero to arise uh, in a in a key way to uh, lead the Gophers to victory. Well, That's I think that, I think there's a legitimate. I mean, we we you know I, not quite in the same time frame of this but I mean we saw when the Gophers were down 21 guys due to COVID Nebraska and you had Arison Ursay playing right tackle and had the game of his life as a true freshman things like that I definitely do think there's potential for somebody who doesn't hasn't necessarily been getting run to step up and have a huge game you know I mean either way Joyner Jalen Redding they're gonna be they're gonna be in that rotation at, at DN next year for sure so you know there's no better way to to come on the scene than to come in and, and have the game of your life against your rival on Saturday. All right. Speaking of our rivals, the Gophers, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh, that was a horrible, uh, misplacement there. The Badgers, uh, you know, definitely had what I think, uh, any Badger fan would consider a disappointing start to the season. Uh, they righted the ship, albeit by playing the bad teams, <laughs> but at the same time, Wisconsin did what was necessary and won pretty easily over the bad teams. Uh, in their schedule. Uh, and for the sake of this, I'm including Iowa as one of the bad teams. Uh, what, Blake, do we really have to look forward to from Wisconsin? Is this a, a situation where you feel like they've found their form? Or is it uh, more of a, you know, they are not a great team, um, a la Iowa, a la Minnesota, a la basically everybody in the Big Ten West? Uh, but they've managed to get themselves into a, a decent enough position at the end of the year. I mean, I, I'm going to agree with you. I think the Big Ten is pretty bad just across the board. Um, I don't think – I mean, Ohio State's pretty good, and you saw what they did to Michigan State, who's probably the second-best team in the Big Ten this year on Saturday. So um, just not a great conference. I, I do – I will give Wisconsin credit for they've taken care of business pretty well. Um, I mean, they're running back Braylon Allen. He's a, he's a freshman. Um, he's the, he's the real deal. I mean, he's averaging 7.6 yards per carry right now on the, on the season. He's had, he's rushed for over a thousand yards. He's rushed for 100 yards in seven consecutive games now. Um, he's just, I think he's a former four-star prospect, but he's just got size, strength, speed. He's just a ridiculous combination of all three. Um, and he's operating behind the Wisconsin offensive line that actually looks like Wisconsin offensive line earlier this year, they didn't really have that, but they've they've gotten better and they're improving. And Allen's just a guy that as soon as he gets to, to that second level, he's a, he's a threat to run all the way to the end zone. So it's going to be a game where Minnesota needs to tackle well, maintain their run fits, and but also not don't get beat deep. Um, they're they're going to stack the box to try and stop Allen. Wisconsin's going to set up the play action pass. Um, and try to take advantage of single coverage down the field. And, you know, for, unfortunately for Minnesota, Kramer does not look nearly as bad as he did uh, in the first month of the season. Um, he's cut down on his interceptions. His completion percentage has, you know, increased. So I think over the last three games alone, he's completed 70% of his passes. Um, he's thrown six touchdowns with only two interceptions. So, um, 
you'll see him throw to the same three receivers that he did last year, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, then the tight end, Jake Ferguson. Um, you know, Jake Ferguson, I think he's had plenty of good games against Minnesota in the years past, and I have no doubt he'll be a primary target on Saturday. So offensively, this is just your typical Wisconsin offense. It's firing on all cylinders right now. Um, but I think the worst news for Minnesota is probably <laughs> – Wisconsin's defense, which ranks in the top 10 nationally in pretty much every defensive category that you can think of. Rushing defense, passing defense, third down defense, red zone defense, scoring defense. Um, I mean, it's the best. It's hands down the best defense they'll faced all year. Um, and if if Mike Sanford has a bag of tricks, uh, you know, now is the time to empty it because um, Minnesota is going to need to get creative against this defense, um, which can just which in years past, it's just been able to play downhill and kind of smother and suffocate uh, Minnesota's offense, especially those linebackers up front. Um, Cause you know, they love to blitz. Um, obviously they're great at stopping the run. They're only allowing an average of 64 rushing yards uh, per game, which is first in the nation. Um, so, you know, if they, if they're going to stop Minnesota in first and second downs and force them into obvious passing downs, they're just going to send the house and try to make Tanner Morgan's life a living hell, which they're more than capable of. This is a really good group of Minnesota, of not Minnesota, Wisconsin linebackers. Um, so yeah, it, this, this defense is a tall task for Minnesota. Um, I, I'm more confident in Minnesota's defense against Wisconsin's offense, but Minnesota's offense against Wisconsin's defense, um, I, I just don't know if Mike Sanford has, has, has the game plan in him to uh, solve this uh, defense. Well, I talked about I talked about unexpected heroes. I'm the quagmire of this season. The limbo of this season has led me to make some uh, pejorative comparisons between uh, Iowa uh, and Minnesota, specifically about uh, Flex seeming very temperamentally forensic this season and totally comfortable with uh, an offense that is anemic. Uh, perhaps in the same vein, Mike Sanford has actually spent his entire season scripting his first two series against Wisconsin a la Brian Ferentz against Minnesota. And that will, of course, just lead us to victory. That's my uh, completely nonsensical happy you know, that, 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 Andy, that, I, That's I, not your worst thought, honestly. That would actually explain, explain a lot if he's been spending all his time this season preparing for the last game of the year. That would Actually, a lot would fall into place. <laughs> If, Andy, if, I'm if, sorry. I started uh, to cut you no, off there before. I was gonna say if I'm if I'm Sanford, I'm I'm watching the game film repeatedly of what Nebraska did last week because Wisconsin apparently had one of the best defenses in the country of not allowing explosive plays, and Nebraska somehow passed all over them. Uh, Martinez threw for over 300 some yards. I think they said Nebraska had five pass plays of over 20 yards when Wisconsin had allowed something like four all season long. So obviously Nebraska figured something out on that defense. And obviously I'm sure Jim Leonard is going to get things corrected and, and make sure. But if I'm Sanford, I'm watching last week and go, well, what the hell did Nebraska do? Because I mean, Nebraska's offense hasn't exactly been blowing teams out of the water either. So what, what did they do to find a weakness in that Wisconsin defense and be able to attack it? Because like you said, I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to do their typical two runs and a pass offense against this Wisconsin defense. The Badger defense is too good. And as Blake said, if Tanner Morgan is in longer than third and six repeatedly, 
you might as well just hand the axe over right away because things are going to go really, really poorly if that happens. Um, uh, and to be fair, I mean, we've seen what that looks like. It was the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> at, well, and we've we've seen what Tanner Morgan in, in third and long repeatedly looks like. It was the Iowa game. Um, so, no, I mean, it's, like I said, it. I agree with everything everybody said. Sanford's going to have to get creative. He's going to have to figure things out. The Gopher offense is going to have to execute because the standard offense that we have used to beat Indiana, Nebraska, um, Northwestern, Northwestern isn't isn't going to cut it on Saturday. You know, you're going to have to you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to be at least competent through the air. Um, you know, I think you know. Hopefully, the hopefully the Gopher running a game can can be decent. But I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see a, I don't see a way where the Gophers run for 250 yards and they, you know, run out the clock in Wisconsin and beat them 13 to 10. I don't think this is going to be that type of game. I think the Gophers are going to have to figure out a way to, to move the ball down the field and, and, you know, execute when they get down in the red zone. I don't think they're going to be able to settle for chip shot field goals every time here. PJ Flex is going to have to be a little ballsy and when he's ballsy, the Gophers are going to have to live up to it and be able to make him look smart and not look stupid. Well, that's one thing. I don't know if you guys follow Derek Burns on Twitter, um, but that's one thing he pointed oh, out too. Of course. Too, that's is, a must follow. I know, if, you, uh, if you're listening to this and don't follow Derek Burns, former Minnesota offensive lineman, please do. He has a lot of great post-game thoughts, but he had a Twitter thread this week about um, just thoughts ahead of the Wisconsin game and he, and he made a great point that the past two games against Wisconsin, Fleck has been extremely risk averse. Um, I think it really come back to bite him in, in 2019 when he really thought that was going to be a down and dirty, low scoring game. And you know, lo and behold, Wisconsin ends up scoring 38 points. But um, I think Fleck, if he wants to win this game, to Andy's point, really needs to throw risk of risk to the win. Because I mean, this year seven, you're seven and four. You're really probably not playing for much. I'm assuming Iowa's going to win on Friday against Nebraska. So, I mean, this is your chance to redeem at least a portion of your season. So there's no point in just being conservative in this game. Just throw every, throw everything with the kitchen sink at the wall and see what happens um, so you can at least say that you gave it your all. But, I mean, the chances of that happening, I would say, are very low because Fleck's been the same coach all year. But I really hope he just kind of cuts loose this game and just throws everything he's got at him. Well, and I think the, the point is also, even regardless of what you think is most likely to happen for uh, Iowa versus Nebraska, or even what you think is going to happen in Purdue versus Indiana, although if you're thinking anything besides a Purdue victory, I think you're insane. The fact of the matter is, is that if you win, and if good things happen with Iowa losing, you win the Big Ten West. So why in the world, not only just separate from if that were to happen, things would be better with a win. Why would you put yourself at a disadvantage to win the division by being conservative? It just it w- it wouldn't make any sense. Um, so hopefully that's not what happens. I was also struck by uh, Andy's comment about competency, competency, offensive competency, the cause of and solution to all of Minnesota's problems this season. All right. Predictions. Um, I think it's been made pretty clear. <laughs> We're not feeling super bullish on a Gophers win this weekend, but let's find out how bearish everybody's feeling. Uh, let's go to Blake. I get Wisconsin twenty-four, Minnesota ten. Um, I, I've 
this is probably more likely to be a shutout than the Iowa game was. I was obviously in a very dark place with Iowa, as I always am the week of the Iowa game. Um, maybe a little, probably, maybe a little bit more optimistic in this game for no rational reason, but uh, I'm hopeful Minnesota will at least make a game of it before Wisconsin probably pulls away late. Andy, I'm just gonna read off some names. <laughs> Joel Stave, <laughs> Jim Sorge. Oh, we know where this is going. Daryl Bevel, Scott Tolzien, <laughs> and of course, my favorite one of all, John Bleepin Stacco. All mediocre Wisconsin quarterbacks who basically turned into Heisman winners against the University of Minnesota. Graham Mertz, God, I hope it doesn't happen, but I just have a bad feeling that Minnesota is going to go in and stop an Allen, and Graham Mertz is going to have a field day off the play action and and add his name to that list of Wisconsin quarterbacks who suddenly look like they're going to win the Heisman Trophy when they play Minnesota. Um, Yeah, I'll go Wisconsin 27, Minnesota 13. Um, I I really want that not to happen, but – um, I'm damaged. I'm hurt, and I, I, it, it, it's been, it's been that type of year, and I mean, I'll be pleasantly surprised and and screaming and and probably on the field at about six thirty on on Saturday night if they can pull it off. But uh, I mean, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me. What are we up to now? Seventeen of the last eighteen years. Uh. Aren't gonna get fooled again. I'm just gonna. I'm ashamed by. I, I, no, I'm ashamed by both of you. I'm cutting you off. I'm ashamed by both of you. Uh, no, it, it, 2120 Minnesota. It'll be brutally ugly. We will hate ourselves for watching it. Some of us may lose eyes to gouging them out with sporks in frustration. But in the end, justice will prevail. All will be right with the world, and Iowa will lose to Nebraska, and then we can move on to the Big Ten championship game, where we will be promptly absolutely murder balled by uh ohio state blake uh you can talk if you can redeem yourself from your i just wanted to say it andy's saying um i'm just gonna list off some names here it's the funniest thing he's probably said on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) and my 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 reaction to chris's prediction is Tell me you have not watched Gopher football the last three weeks without telling me you have not watched Gopher football the last three weeks. Or tell, tell me you are on some heavy narcotics without telling me you're on some heavy narcotics. Well, you know, little do you know that I've been uh, talking to Tom uh, Chattel of the uh, Omaha World Herald and all that good stuff he's been on all season. Uh, he, he slid a little my way, so that's uh, that's that's how I roll uh, to, to take care of the pain. Um well, we're going to find out one way or the other uh, come Saturday how this is going to go. Uh, you can, of course, look forward to us being ecstatic or apoplectic next week on the Sky U podcast. In the meantime, go Gophers. Sky U Ma, row the boat.